Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates from General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery, and I want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us as we learn together now what it means to be Free Methodists in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. Hey everyone, it's March 16th, 2020. This is episode 141. And um, actually we pre-recorded um, an episode for, for the very first time that has two other individuals in, um, in addition to myself. And I'm really excited to share that with you sometime in the near future, hopefully next week. Uh, but um, you know, that's, there's a lot going on in our world. Obviously, every single person in this world is is on the same page as far as the coronavirus is concerned. We're gonna um, spend some time here on the show talking today about that, and I'll get into why in a moment. But before we do that, we always and even today want to uh, look over at our Free Methodist World Missions Prayer Guide. And so I said today's the 16th. Um, so we're looking at the Philippines today to pray for the Philippines. And so our little paragraph tells us to pray for major urban church planting initiatives in Manila, uh, Baguio, Cebu, and Davao. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, also, pray for the movement to reach students in universities across the Philippines. So I'm going to spend a moment praying for the Philippines, but also we're going to go ahead and extend um, our prayer today to include all Free Methodist World Missions as each area is, is dealing uniquely with this issue. Um, actually, as, as an aside, I just heard yesterday, and of course daily things are changing, but I heard that in Thailand uh, that the virus is not um, causing too much trouble in the area of the Persing, so um, our, our missionaries in Thailand. So there are some areas that are unaffected as of now, um, at least locally in some areas, but for the most part, most of our Free Methodist missionaries are dealing with uh, some, of this, some of this stuff. So um, let's go ahead and, and pray. Dear God, um, I thank you for all the work that's being done by all of these missionaries across um, the world. And I pray first for specifically the Philippines, the church planning that has been going on in all of these cities, all these places. Um, and we, we know that they were hoping to reach out to the students in the universities as well. And um, I don't know how much of this has changed or uh, if the universities have been upended because of this and the students sent home or there's so many things that are different each day um, and so we just pray that with these changes as they were looking to reach into the universities and uh, they're they're making these major plants that um, they would make those adjustments as necessary uh, that if they were planning on having the physical building now that they can't have that they could find some other ways to meet to reach out to people during this time um, and that even maybe in the midst of this hard time, um, the churches would grow even faster than uh, they wouldn't would have um, just normally because of the opportunity to reach out to people and offer hope during this time. Um, and we pray the same thing for all of the uh, free Methodist missionaries around the world. Um, we know that uh, the most recent uh, few days ago said that Europe was the epicenter now of what's going on, and um, so we pray for our missionaries there across Europe. Um, I know Jerry McNamara, we pray for him, and um, Katie, and all of those who are 
um, involved in all the various areas. Uh, we pray that they would have the wisdom to know how to help people and changes that need to be made when they need to when they need to be made. And um, so we just ask that you'll be with them, help them, and guide them, and um, that we pray that the the support would still be there. I mean, the time where economy is is having trouble and people are wondering what to do with jobs and all that, we pray that the support for the missionaries would still come through, that you would make a way and that you would um, allow people to continue to support them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, um, so I, I mentioned that we are going to be talking about the coronavirus and, and some of the related things. Specifically, we're going to get into a lot of um, what it has to do with our churches and how this is affecting you know, free Methodists across the world and the denomination's response. Um, but uh, I wanted to invite um, back onto the show now, I think it's for the third time, um, sitting here in person with me, which is different than normal, but sitting here in person with me, my wife, Chrissa Avery. Chrissa? Thank you, dear. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> we are both home, so we might as yeah. well do it together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you were uh, working at a school until recently, and so now you're home and uh, have some more free time to do things like this. You might be a weekly guest now. I don't know. Maybe so. A co-host, I guess, if you're at that point. If people really want to listen to me, then they can. <laughs> well, I, I wrote on Twitter this past week, and some of you are on that, some of you aren't, but I, I mentioned about this topic. I said, you know... Anytime you go on Facebook or social media anywhere, there are countless people, almost everybody's posting about their uh, experience with this coronavirus situation. People are posting about the, the grocery stores, they're posting about their churches, they're posting about what, what's going on. Um, and, you know, there's national voices, you know, you can go on and read the news, the media. So it, it, it's not, we don't come on here today because there's another voice needed to add to the discussion or we have something new to say. Um, really, this episode is not needed to add to the world. Uh, what this is, is we, this show has already existed over three years. And because this is encompassing the world, for us to go ahead and, and pick that you know, pre-recorded from a few weeks ago interview, that's that's great. It has amazing things. I can't wait to share with you. But to just go on and, and take that today and, and move on um, didn't seem like the right thing to do. So uh, there are things to share as far as the Free Methodist Church is concerned and, and some of the things that maybe some of you who haven't been on social media as much or have been checking the FMC USA website maybe you haven't seen. So I'm going to share some of those things um, and resources here in just a moment. Um, but to just start out, we'll just kind of just talk here, myself and Chris, about um, just the progression uh, for us, because every situation, every town is a little bit different. We are in Youngstown, Ohio, um, and I just read an article that said, uh, at least from the perspective of the article, that Ohio is at the forefront of, of what's happening in terms of response. So the governor has done a lot of things that some other areas have not done or have kind of done a day, day later. Um, so this has been a quick progression. I mean, did you, I know my, I know you, Krista, you were uh, listening to some podcasts and hearing some things long before a lot of people had it on their radar, but was this something that you expected would move this fast to where we are right now? Well, I've been paying attention to it since probably the beginning of February when it seemed to take off in other countries. And I was just waiting for it to hit the U.S. and knew that when it did, that it would be a serious thing. So we got a month's worth of groceries before March, just in preparation for the fact that we might go into quarantine. And I was kind of expecting it to hit the schools first. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and which is, of course, what happened here. And that in, involved your job um, because you were working at a preschool. And so now is your first day um, officially here at home. Um, but even even in that, I mean, you even had the idea to think about, um, you know, hey, we, we should go get a bunch of books at the library. We actually literally got a duffel bag and went in and got, <laughs> yes. what, 30-some books. And the library is closed. <laughs> yeah, and, and as of last night, the library closed. We thought we'd have today because we got a lot of books for our I daughter. I wanted to go back for yeah. more books for me. Yeah, and, and uh, they said, well, we're going to be be closing on Tuesday. Um, and then last night they said, All right, well, actually, we're going to close tonight. That's it, and uh, we're not reopening. And, and they keep on saying, you know, they're going to – all these places, they say, well – you know, we're closed for a few weeks and we're reopening April 1st, but it seems very unlikely at this point that that's going to be, I mean, a bit quick turnaround in two and a half weeks and now all of a sudden all these things are going to reopen that quick. I mean, time will tell, but I, I don't feel like that is going to be the case. Do you? Call me pessimistic, but no, I don't think so. Yeah, it's, it seems many people are saying, I mean, steps are being made in the right direction, but it will actually get worse before it can get better. Um because there's the testing and all the things that we know from seeing the news. Um, there's a lot of cases out there that are not able to be diagnosed for many reasons. And so it's continuing to spread. Um, but yes, yeah, so this is, and, and many of you have, I mean, all of you have similar stories um, here in Ohio. Um, as we've said now, uh, the schools were, I think, the very first to, in Ohio, were the very first ones to actually close all the schools in Ohio. Um, now other states have, have gotten onto that. Also, our libraries are closed, and just last night um, they closed in Ohio all of our um, restaurants and bars. Uh, you can still order kind of like the takeout so or the drive-through type stuff, but there is no um, in-restaurant service going on. Um, and our governor just announced that um, he didn't announce this to, to be happening yet, but he said he's, he's assuming that today or tomorrow, that the daycares are also going to be shut down um, and that non-essential stores will be shut down too, which means that, you know, the only thing open in terms of stores would be grocery stores and pharmacies, and that would be it. Um, so obviously things, as we said, are going to get worse before they could get better. Um, so I don't know. Everybody out there has had different reactions uh, to this. And we'll talk about the reactions and responses of the churches and the response of the denomination in a little bit here um, as far as free Methodists are involved. But just on a very personal level, um, we want to talk a little bit about that for a moment here. Um, just kind of every single person has, a, there's a very various collection of responses. I believe that all of the responses well, besides faith, faith and trust in, in Christ, every other response, whether we realize it or not, is rooted in fear. I don't know. I, am I, do you think that's... Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that's true? I, I suppose so. I haven't really thought about it too much, but yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, uh, what I've been trying to... Uh, what I've been saying to a couple people is, you know, when we think of fear, we think of, you know, being scared of something. Like, I take the kids to Kennywood Fright Nights... Uh, which is a local amusement park in, in Pittsburgh area. And, you know, someone comes out with a chainsaw and chases them and they, they're scared and they run away. Like, we think of that as fear. Like, I'm scared of something. Um, but fear can manifest in a lot of different ways. So, you know, maybe you get really angry about something when you're afraid. Or maybe you, um, you know, shut down and don't talk to anybody. There's different ways that fear can come to light. And so... Um, 
really in our lives, it's a cycle of remembering and forgetting, fear and love. Um, so for me, it's, it, it's more of, uh, I, I feel like, um, being frustrated or maybe overwhelmed, I don't know, um, which I have experienced a couple times. Um, and I feel in the last two days, I, I've uh, kind of recovered from that, gotten better at that. But for me, with situations like this, um, when I'm afraid of something, I don't really feel afraid, uh, but what, how it plays out in that uncertainty, which is rooted in fear, that uncertainty and the unknowing and the um, being upset about, I had these things planned and this is kind of what I had planned for the next month, next week, next day. Maybe a uh, lack of control. Yeah, lack of control, exactly. Um, and those things lead to then frustration, which then interrupts relationships or whatever it is. I don't know. Are you talking about our relationship? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, the, a married relationship, the way you, that you respond to your child, you know, the way that I respond to you, respond to Ellie, who is our three-year-old daughter. Those types of things are all affected. Very true. Yeah. So this is, you know, we, what we have to come to grips with, our fears about this. Um, some people, it's just denying it completely to say, oh, it's really not that bad. Um, and, and Chris, I think you've learned a little bit about that. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about that, some of the stuff that you've learned um, with that bias? Normalcy bias. Um, it's the tendency to go along with life just as it always has, because it always has. And by doing that, you underestimate the likelihood of a disaster or the possible effects of a disaster. And a lot of people around us have been doing that, um, continuing with flights that were pre-scheduled for this week that are even domestic ones that probably shouldn't be, um, they probably shouldn't be going through with. But um, I know people who are traveling and people who continue to go to work or go out to the restaurants or trying to take advantage of these things um, as much as they possibly can are really putting themselves at risk, but it's because of the normalcy bias. Yeah, it's just um, something different that people have to deal with than in ever before in people's lives in America um, because, you know, we could think of a terrorist attack as something completely different or a hurricane or something like that because all those things are bad. And, and so one that affected the entire nation, for example, September 11th, um, that was a terrorist attack and there were several places that were hit and affected um, and it, it took a, a, a large effect on the nation and the world. Um, however, it was a, it, those events unfolded in one specific day over the course of those several hours. And you know the next day, there could have been places that were closed or canceled or on hold or whatever. Um, but it was something that people could, you know, okay, the next day, all right, things are kind of going to start getting back to normal. Um, you know, we need to kind of figure out where we are as a community, how we can come back together, but the stores are going to reopen, things are going to come back. Um, and right now, it's totally different. And same thing with a hurricane, it, things could be destroyed, uh, but then people who are in communities that, that weren't hit can come down and help rebuild. Okay, we could get started right away in the relief efforts. Um, but now it's more, there's a lot more uncertainty because, you know, they keep, like we said before, they keep giving dates of, okay, well, we're going to be closed until April 1st. Well, it just seems kind of unlikely at this point that all of a sudden, magically by April 1st, everything's going to be cleared up. So it's easier to say, oh, well, yeah, everything's going to be normal. Everything's going to be fine. Um, 
because that's easier than realizing we really don't have any control and that's what it really comes down to is having control or not having control. I think you mentioned something like that earlier. We've had control in our lives as Americans for as long as we can remember. Yeah. So we have a fear, again, fear of not having control, of being in control of things. And ultimately, any control that we have is just really an illusion anyways. We just think we have control over everything, but we don't. And um, 1 John 4.18, which probably a lot of people have been uh, referencing or looking at, um, is the verse that says, there is no fear in love, perfect love drives out fear. Um, and that is something for us to remember and that many people, again, have maybe experienced of there are times, maybe you were you know, reading your Bible or at the church service or whatever it was, and you felt completely calm or whatever was coming at peace and everything's fine, um, even though it's really not uh, fine, it's not okay as far as the situation is concerned, but you know, since God is in control, that ultimately um, you have peace and joy. Um, but that's the, 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 the piece of trying to be in perfect love versus living in fear. And we kind of switch between those depending on the hour, the day, or the minute, or whatever it is. So, um, so yeah, so I yeah, just wanted to talk a little bit about that. But a lot of people have their own personal um, stories or all of you out there, you know, kind of have your own um, personal journeys that you're experiencing very similar things or other types of things. Um, and now I want to kind of look at, talk about um, the churches. And um, this is, again, varied depending on the, the place and changed quickly over time. Uh, there were a lot of churches that were closed. I know in in Youngstown, there were a lot of churches that I saw that, that nobody was at. Um, there were some that, you know, were canceled. Um, there were a few that were open. Um, and again, to talk about our own specific experience, because that's the only one that I can uh, specifically relate to or talk about, at our specific Free Methodist Church that I'm the pastor of, um, we did have service this past week. Um, and by as of yesterday, it wasn't to the point where we seriously, at our church at least, seriously considered closing down. Now we have, you know, maximum on a Sunday of 40 people. So we weren't having to deal with hundreds and say, oh, I don't know, this is risky. Um, you know, since then, even even since yesterday's service, there have been even more recommendations by the CDC about groups and all that sort of thing. But we specifically decided to stay open. Now, um, I don't know just if you have any thoughts, Chris, or not, but like if it was weird or what you thought about you know, going to church and, and the people that were there of, of how the interaction was or what it was like? Well, it's definitely hard to be one of the few churches in the area that chooses to stay open. We actually had a visitor because their church was closed and they wanted to come to church. Those who did come, to me, seemed qu quite fearless. I don't know what's going on in their hearts, but they were joking, there was laughter, there was... Um, elbow shaking yeah. and um, foot handshakes. We didn't touch, we didn't um, hug, we didn't give each other handshakes, but um, people were joking about it. It was a, it was a lighthearted time, but I was thinking, mm, I don't know, if, who knows if this is the last time for a while that we get together and worship together. And um, I don't know if that changed people's worship. It did to me just in view of the fact that so many churches were closed, we were open, and then 
probably the next week means we'll be closed. Now, at this point, we're not planning to be closed, but if things change, then, I mean, we have a, we have six days yeah. before, before next Sunday comes, and the news is different every day, so we could be closed next week. Yeah, it's just a matter of taking in the new information every day and kind of just putting, like you say, six days, just basically looking down the line like, well, if things keep changing as much as they have been literally every day. And it's it's so dramatic. I can't yeah. handle this adrenaline <laughs> where I have to keep checking the news to see what the next... Yeah, the what's next closed now? What's the latest update? Um, and we technically, I guess we don't have to do that, which is where I guess Sabbath comes in. It's actually going to be a nice break from... It's actually going to be two things. First of all, very hard not to look at our phones because Chris and I and our family for a while have taken a literal 24-hour Sabbath from technology Thursday evening usually until Friday evening, or, but it's going to be even harder now, I would say, first and it foremost. It already was for me the last time, yeah. last Friday. when we. It's did. hard because it's like, oh, what are we missing? Really is there any know. new news that we need to know? Because but also, it's probably very helpful. My job was right at the pivotal moment where we might not come to work on Monday or we might, and that was Friday when yeah. I wasn't supposed to look at my phone at all, and I could tell that I was getting a lot of messages, and I even kept saying to you, okay, I got... <laughs> 12 messages from my coworkers. I really wonder what it says. <laughs> but you didn't really look at all any of that until afterwards. So, and it was actually, I just from my own personal experience, it was, even though it was hard not to keep looking on there, um, it actually was helpful um, because first of all, then there were a few updates, but you know, the world didn't fall apart without me checking it. And that's one thing about Sabbath is like, it teaches us that, again, God is in control. We feel as if we have control, even in these uncontrollable situations, by checking the news. So, hey, okay, I'm in control now because I know all there is to know. Refresh, is there anything new? Is there anything new? That gives us a sense of control even. But it's it's just, again, trying to be in control of non-controllable things is what it really is. So maybe this will be a truly restful time once everything is closed and there's nothing else to close. Yeah, we're basically being forced into Sabbaths of being in our homes. There's nowhere to go anymore. The restaurants are going to be closed. The non-essential stores are closing. The libraries are closed. Nothing to do. So, I mean, you can't even go to Walt Disney World closed yesterday and all the cast members were crying. I mean, I had to make a Disney reference, of course. But it's just, um, yeah, people were reporting to talk about our churches um, I had some comments, you know, people were reporting that, yeah, a lot of a lot of churches were doing the nod and greet instead of the handshake, which is weird, especially when you have someone you're meeting, like we had that visitor was the mother of somebody who we know, and it was weird to just say, oh, hi, and just wave at them and Right, not I was, do I was opening the door for people so they didn't have to touch the door handle, and when I saw someone new come in, I just tried to put a big smile on my face and say, oh, I'm so sorry that I can't shake your hand. We're just not allowed today. And she understood. She was very understanding. But I think I said that twice because I just felt so, it was just unco an uncomfortable thing to not shake someone's hand. Yeah, that's, and, and that's, so a lot of churches have implemented things like that to try to, you know, if they did have service, they were trying to reduce the spread of germs of, you know, not passing around a plate uh, for offering and, and actually just having it in the back and people just place it in. Right, we um, did that at our church. Yeah, those types of things. Um, those are the types of just regular things that, that you need to think about if you are having the service, of course. But the pastors and leaders of the churches have already probably thought through that this past week. So in other, in other types of responses, though... Um, some churches are uh, seeing this. I think. Well, I think all churches are seeing this as a way to outreach, but depending on the size of your church, 
um, there's different ways that that can play out. So I know um, this past week, um, West Morris Indianapolis Church in Indianapolis um, was packing, I shouldn't say was, they are packing sack lunches for kids to be handed out each day on a first-come, first-served basis because, of course, the schools are shut down. Um, you know, the there's a lot of issues, especially in, in poorer communities. Um, parents are worried about how my kid's going to eat, where we're going to have food. So they saw this as, in their community, they looked at the needs and they saw, well, this is going to be a problem. The kids aren't going to be fed at the schools as they, the parents had planned. There's a there's a need for food for kids, lunches for kids. So they're filling in for that. Um, in smaller churches, you may not have the resources to do that. I mean, ours, um, our, ours is more on an individual basis. We encourage people to... Uh, first of all, reach out to and connect with the older members in our church um, to be able to check on them and see, is there anything they need from the store that we need to pick up for them, the younger members? Uh, but also more on an individual basis of the outreach. Um, you know, last summer we had we had discussed already the um, about neighboring and reaching out to your neighbors. And so we kind of reiterated that this week is that this is an easier time because on an, on an average day, it's like, well, I don't know how to break the ice or what to say to my neighbor. Now it's just as simple as everybody's on the same page in the same situation. So if you have an elderly neighbor, you can get a hold of them in some way and say, is there something you need me to go get for you? You know, is there something you need done? Um, and it's a way into the conversation for outreach versus trying to come up with something off the top of your head. And it's weird too, because this is a time to use your telephone to call your neighbor and not go knock on their door Yeah. because... As we said, people are afraid, and I mean, there is risk out there, so it, it it's a little strange how you kind of have to go about it, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Yeah, that actually, what you just said, reminded me too of the difference between this and other emergencies or like September 11th, again, as an example. That's when everybody came to the churches because when people are afraid, um, you know, people are willing and eager to get to church to, you know, pray or to think about their life or whatever. Um, but this is very hard because, you know, people aren't supposed to meet together. So it's, it's not a good hard. time. It's very hard for pastors. And for me, as the leadership of the church, I want to get everybody together. And that's kind of something I like to do, get our community together. How can we work together? But being together isn't really the best thing right now so that that is frustrating as leaders of the church yeah yeah it's definitely something that again as fast as everything's changing every day the leaders and the denomination and everybody is, is trying to, to, to figure out what to do and actually um, this past week on the social media on Facebook and Twitter and stuff on our page um, I invited people to share their stories about what churches are doing or how they're personally um, reaching out or or what they're doing in their own communities um, but it was a little later in the week and so I didn't get a whole lot of responses for that um, but I want to invite you uh, as the listener to share your stories this week um, and I think the best possible way that we could do that is maybe through the show voicemail so what that means is if you're a newer listener um, I'm gonna give you a phone number here in a moment and the phone number will also be in the show notes section um, that the text-based section underneath where your podcast is um, but you call this number that I'm about to give you and it will go straight to a voicemail. It won't ring or anything like that. It'll go straight to a voicemail. Um, you leave a voicemail telling your story about what's going on at your church or through your church um, or how you've been able to reach out to your neighbor. Um, and uh, then that's all it is. Uh, on the next show, 
uh, I will take those voicemails and play them on a on the next show or a, a show into the future. The, what an inspirational idea! I'd love to hear about what everyone's doing at their church. We can encourage one another in in creative ideas and way to reach out. Yeah, I agree. I know a lot of people um, in the past have hesitated from leaving a voicemail. It's like, oh, you know, I'm kind of nervous to be my voice be broadcasted or whatever. Um, but try, if possible, just to set that aside because what this could do is be an encouragement to other people. It could grow ideas. So if you're out there and you say, oh, I don't want to, you know, be prideful or whatever, you know, about our church, just try to set those kinds of thoughts aside because this is a time that we do need to come together. And so this is one way that you could, by calling in and sharing your story or sharing your experience, um, it's not for everybody to praise you or look at you as some great person. You could even call in anonymously and say, hey, my church in an anonymous location is doing this. Um, and or, you don't have to say your name. Or if you're uncomfortable with the, the message you left, Josh is very approachable and you could just call again and leave a new message. Yeah. And then he could use the second one instead of the first. <laughs> right, yeah. So we can, if you leave one that you don't like, just call, do a second one and, uh, you know, message me on Facebook or whatever. We'll uh, just delete the first one. So uh, the voicemail number is 914-362-8721. So that's 914-362-8721. So that number is actually... 914 FMC USA 1. So that's an easier way to remember it. 914 FMC USA 1. And uh, we look forward to your calls and hearing from you guys and sharing some of those things in a future episode. Um, the other piece that I wanted to discuss today and that may, many maybe of you have been keeping up with, but I wanted to talk about not only the response of the churches, but the response of the denomination as well as a whole. Um, so this past weekend, uh, Friday through Sunday, and in fact, I actually saw one posted today. Uh, they had a weekend of prayer, and of course, this wasn't held in an actual physical location, but this was um, a lot of videos from around the nation um, available. These are available. You can see them um, by going to fmcusa.org, um, and there, I think, is a banner at the top of the page that will scroll by that you can click on, or if you're on the Facebook page, just type in Free Methodist Church USA and you can go there and watch um, all the ones from this past weekend. And there's, uh, there are um, pastors and leaders and people from all over the nation praying, not only in English, but there is uh, somebody praying in Swahili, someone in Spanish. So there are all sorts of videos there uh, from different leaders and pastors and, and people. And how um, did that this. come about? Was that invitation only? Could you still upload a video? I don't believe there's a place to upload the videos. I think that maybe communications, it didn't really say, but I think communications has been um, doing this types of stuff. And uh, of course, that comes back to Brent Heinzman over there at the uh, world headquarters. And, you know, there's enough going on in the day to day, trying to get light and life out and, you know, getting the calls and, and they're publishing things. But now you have this come along, and again, it's kind of like this podcast. It's something that you can't just go, well, we're going to continue on with the regular light in life or continue on with the day-to-day. -day. There has to be some response to this. And so um, I just assume, uh, I'm, I'm sure that it was Brett over there that um, called up and or emailed or something, all of these people, and, and got them all on board. I saw a few of the videos. Very encouraging. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Of course, we had uh, the first one was Bishop Roller, and of course, he had to do some sort of something, so he's got the gas mask on to start mm, his video. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but that's not a surprise, considering how he's always so animated with stuff. Um, 
So but that it's was cool, cool to, to see. see. Everyone's just leveled out. Everyone's going through the same thing. Yeah, it was cool to see some of the backgrounds to some of the videos. Um, one of the other pastors was in his car with everything packed up, about to drive, uh, packed up his daughter from college. So to see where everybody was, um, there were some women who actually were at the Wesleyan uh, Women's Holiness Conference. Um, that happened this past week, and it would be good to hear from some of you who were there as well. I know that um, that was before things got really over-the-top serious, um, and so they continue to have the conference in person. Uh, but I know there was some seating was spread out and whatnot, so they did take some precautions. So I'd like to hear uh, from some of you who went there, too. Um, but yeah, yeah, lots of lots of lots of different uh, things happening, and, and people putting prayer prayers videos on from all over the world. Um, so also uh, something that's a resource for it's a it's a completely free resource, and it actually starts today. This week uh, there is going to be a series of three online webinars, and they're um, three separate. Uh, well, they're all on the same topic, um, but they are three separate subjects or areas. Um, so starting tonight at uh, four, from 4 to 7 Eastern time, um, and then coming again on Wednesday from 12 to 2 and Friday from 12 to 2. Uh, this is going to be a three-part series discussing how to do church online, how to remain connected to people while churches are closed. So um, the person that's going to be actually putting on this seminar is Pastor Angela Craig. She currently leads Pursuit Church Live, which is actually, and it has always been, a global and completely online church. So, oh, so wow. she's been figuring out how to do this the entire time. Yeah, so the trainings, um, and I won't go through everything. I'll put a link in the show notes to how to see more um, and how to sign up, but I'll give you a, a overview. Today on Monday from 4 to 7, they're going to talk about things like, okay, my hey, my church is closed. What do I do now? Um, is community online actually possible? The strengths and weaknesses of church online, and much, much more tonight. Um, on Wednesday from 12 to 2, they're going to be discussing um, developing community and discipleship online. So how do we keep people connected to each other while the church is closed? How do we um, train an online team? Uh, how do we create engagement and dialogue online instead of just everybody watching the video? How do we get people to respond and kind of have that conversation? And then on Friday from 12 to 2 Eastern, uh, they're going to be talking about caring for the community. So how do we actually care for the members of the church when we're doing everything online? Um, are we able to possibly think of micro-gatherings? So gather you know, five people in your home. Is that a good alternative or not? Um, how do you uh, care for the local community at that point? They're going to talk about that in a world of social dis distancing. So these are some really... Um, uh, good practical ways uh, for for what we need to do moving forward. And again, that actually begins tonight. And is there a cost to that? Uh, there is no cost. It's 100% free. It's going to be happening through Zoom. Um, but uh, this is something that you'll probably, like if you're not familiar with Zoom or you don't have the program, you're going to want to look at this as soon as possible so that you can get what you need so you can get on there is when it's time. Is that something that there's limited space to or anyone can join? Because it's online, of course, that's one nice thing about online. It looks as if, um, unless there's technical difficulties from everybody joining, but uh, it should be that anybody can join, um, an unlimited amount of people can join onto this um, and use this as a resource. Wow, it seems like any and all church leaders should be taking advantage of this free resource. Are you going to do it? Yeah, you know, it is late, um, 4 to 7 here, but that's, I mean, it's something that's probably going to be a needed resource. Tonight's the longest one. Tonight's three hours, and then, like I say, the other two on, two, on Wednesday and Friday are going to be uh, two hours. So, 
just make sure you get the right time based upon your time zone. I was talking in Eastern, um, but of course you just want to translate that to your time. And even if pastors are, because pastors are going to be overworked in the coming weeks with a lot going on, but even if pastors are unavailable, maybe you could um, sign up and have one of your other church leaders, maybe they're staying home for the coming weeks and they could participate in it and relay the message, but it just sounds too good to miss. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's many that are going to be home that are going to be able to do this, but still many people that are at jobs and, and are going to have to watch later. Or there, I, I don't know yet if there will be a uh, recorded version to watch a later time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but at this point I'm not sure. So, um, yeah, that's, that's something that is definitely uh, great that's coming out of being promoted by the denomination. Um, and then the final thing, um, and I mean, there are many, many things, but the final thing of, of note um, is that uh, several days ago, uh, it was last Thursday, actually, um, as, as per the norm for any uh, world event or a big disaster or anything that happens, the bishops usually have a, a letter that will come out that will address what has happened. Um, and so last Thursday, uh, they came out with a response to the to the outbreak, um, and of course uh, it was signed by Linda Adams, Keith Cowart, and Matt Whitehead, but all our three three of our bishops. I mean, at that time on Thursday, um, you know, they were offering words of care, guidance, and encouragement. Um, they then were giving some practical uh, opportunities for the coming Sunday to say, well, you know, obviously encourage anybody exhibiting flu-like symptoms to stay home. Those types of things that you know everybody is familiar with now or has experienced if you went to the service. Um, but after that, as we've said countless times today, it's just been a um, new thing has arrived every day that's changed that. So um, this very first email was very similar to others in disaster times where it was, you know, the FMC USA bishops respond to whatever it is. And in this case, the outbreak. Um, and I, I kind of wonder at this point, at that point on Thursday, if they were just, that was going to be their response. And, you know, if anything was needed into the future, they would address that. But that was their response to the outbreak, as other you know things have happened. But come Friday, um, the banner at the top of that email started to change, and uh, it changed to the Board of Bishops' daily response to the COVID-19 outbreak. And so um, after that point, we have received, since Thursday, we've received every day a response from the bishops um, on this. That's so encouraging, and it just shows us that they're right there with us, and they're... Um... They're going through the same things we are. Yeah, they have been giving uh, updates on how to help. Um, you know, obviously today's going to be a, a big one on the trainings, um, but they have been giving updates on helping out um, as far as practical things to do. Um, but then also just some, um, I really liked uh, on Saturday, Bishop Cowart's uh, email, and I actually read it at our service, um, but his letter about, um, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind from 2 Timothy 1.7. And then he went ahead and broke down what that means in this email, in this letter. Um, and so really, uh, the ultimate, you can read that, um, it's still on the site and everything, but uh, he his, his point to his letter was to talk about what if we as Christians offered a radically different response to the crisis, rather than being sucked into the vortex of fear, suspicion, and judgment, what if we demonstrated to the world what it truly means to be a follower of one whose kingdom is not of this world? And he goes on from there, but that's, um, if we could find ourselves, kind of like we were talking early on in this podcast about, if we could find ourselves living 
in love, living in the kingdom of God, as opposed to fear, um, we could. this could be an amazing opportunity to reach out in different ways. We have to be creative about it, but reach out in different ways to people around us in the community that are struggling with this. So I, I uh, if, you, if you haven't read any of those, you can go to fmcusa.org. There's actually a banner that changes every few seconds. It kind of scrolls across the top of the page. And um, they, one of them will say daily response from bishops. You can click on that and then you can scroll down and read all of them. And again, they will be updated daily. Today's hasn't come out yet. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, things happening. And by the time we publish this, I'm sure there'll be new things that we could have said that we didn't say. Um, but this is something that we all need to come together. And um, so we're looking forward to hearing your stories. We're looking here forward to um, sharing more with you. And, uh, you know, hopefully um, uh, we'll, we'll as, as long as things don't get too crazy, right, we will continue to put out some content here and um, put out that interview that I talked about earlier. So there's something fun to listen to that's not just talking about this every single week or anything like that, but have also some some fun things and, and ways to spend your time while you're stuck at home, um, conversations that are beyond just talking about the this as well. Um, so I, I um, that's everything that I had written down here. I don't think, unless you have anything else uh, further on, on any of this. I don't think so. This is really good. I personally um, reach out to hear the responses of different people that I admire, doctors that I admire, and um, podcasts that I typically listen to. I'm, I'm all ears for anything COVID-19 that they are talking about. So it's very interesting to get this perspective of the church amidst COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, and and our it could be just like everybody else. It could just be oh, the church is all scared and they're just reacting in fear, or it could be wow, the church is really doing something different in the midst of what everybody else is doing. Let's hear, let's hear more. Yeah, call in to the voicemail. Yeah, so I'm gonna ask you to actually pray uh, to close us out, and then um, we will see everybody next week. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will be reigning in our churches across the U.S. and across the world. And I ask that our eyes will be fully committed to you and what you desire for our churches and for our lives during this time. May we not give in to fear, but have power, love, and a sound mind in you, Lord. I thank you for it. Sometimes what you need is what you fight Like a wounded man out on the run Like shadows hiding from the light But your love is what I was running from Hope's a seed you have to sow Oh,